Hey, Podnutsians, welcome to Mini PC Show, episode 122. My name is Door to Door Geek. I want us to give a big thank you to Stephen Ward for his support through Patreon. Uh, if you would like to support us through Patreon.com, it's very easy. Links are in the notes, or you can just go to Patreon.com slash The Mini PC Show. Uh, speaking of support, I'm joined this week by Brett and by Rich. How, how's everything going, Rich? I gotta find my talk button. Uh, everything's good. You know, it's just going by fast. Got lots of things going on. Had the nice uh, Memorial Day weekend. We got to reflect and be thankful for those who gave all for us to be us. Um, always could use the extra day, though. Absolutely, I understand that. Uh, how's everything going on your side, Brett? Uh, it's going pretty good. Uh, been working a lot on random things here and there. A lot of uh, a lot of computer-related stuff. Not so much mini PC, but uh, I do have a couple new ones. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I'll ask you first. Do you have any new hardware, IoT, um, hardware in your system slash IoT stuff in your system, or any new uh, kind of like software? Mini stuff that you've learned? Um, well, right now I'm learning uh, how to tune a how to tune an engine, which is kind of fun. Um, I'm I was able to get a uh, a full ECU, a full standalone programmable ECU for my motorhome, and uh, it's kind of it's interesting because it's weird not having a distributor for for those who know you know engines. Normally, you have a distributor that runs and it sparks at a set point well when you have no distributor and you have coil packs they're called you can do anything you can have them fire in a different firing order just off the cuff you know just you can you can time them individually and it's just it's a lot to learn but uh it's really fun i'm really really enjoying it i got everything up and running and um it added quite a bit of power just right off the bat so what ecu did you get um, I actually got the uh, the AEM Infinity Three. It's a uh, fully programmable. It's actually a racing ECU, um, but because my my RV is pre seventy five, um, they don't care what I do to the engine um, as far as smog and anything. But because uh, you it, live behind the Iron Curtain. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's but it's you know it it the engine that I have is actually a uh, a marine engine. Um, it's a 502 cubic inch um, fuel injected motor. Um, so the previous owner actually swapped the engine in. I, I was going to say fuel injected. Is you're are you talking multi port fuel injection? Uh, direct, yeah, um, um, direct injection. Direct no, no, no multi port, multi port, multi port. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say direct yeah. injection. Either you got a diesel. No, 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 no. You don't need a distributor yeah. or coil packs. Yeah, no, it's multi-port with the with the fuel rail. I I always get those mixed up, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's basically it's a 502 cubic inch LS motor. Cool. So it's yeah, it's it's based on the LS LS uh, the Chevy LS series, and it's it's a beast. Um, not many motorhomes can do a burnout, and this is one of them, very easily. <laughs> you have dualies on the rear. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, tandem. Tandem. Okay. Yeah, so uh, so I actually have no drive shaft. Mine, I'm front wheel drive. Oh, okay, so it's yeah, like a Tornado it, transaxle. Exactly, it is a Tornado. In fact, it's the GMC. Uh, they took the Tornado front end and uh, put it on this GMC. Uh-huh. So it's uh, it's fun, you know. And the best thing about the RV is you don't have to climb six stairs to get into it. Oh, cool, cool. You know, so it's that, very the very turbo low. Turbo hydromatic four twenty five for those correct. that are really GM fans. Correct. Correct basically a front wheel drive turbo 450 or is it 400 turbo 400 turbo 400 okay yeah yeah there was a turbo 350 and a turbo 400 that's right i was uh, yeah you're right very cool very cool uh rich do you have any new um mini pc hardware in your system new iot stuff or uh Uh, anything you know software realm so the only thing new like iot for me is what's old um with the esxi for arm you get a six month uh six month license so i had to nuke and pave my esxi cluster my raspberry pi esxi cluster so i did that over the last couple of days not not like it took a couple of days to do really it take probably an hour to do it's four four machines um and then i did something wrong on my distributed switch so then um vmotion did not work correctly and i got that fixed you know 
But uh, yeah, so that that's pretty much it for me. I, I've been pretty active in other areas, so I, I haven't really been doing many PC stuff. Well, first I'll say busy is always good as far as I'm concerned. Um, the only really stuff I have here going on my side, first I'll just get it out of the way. I'm, I'm another year older. I'm pushing 50 now. Um, yay. Pushing 50? Yeah, great. Wait a second. You mean I'm older than you? I'm 49 years old. <laughs> well, happy birthday, Dor. Happy birthday, bud. Thank you, guys. Uh, yeah, I'll just say, you know, um, connected with this show after uh, a very selfish way, I'm going to put this, after losing Eric, our, Eric, our, um, our, oh, Jesus. Dini, uh, birthdays aren't great fun, is the way I'll put it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and on a lighter. Um, I was running, um, I got no new hardware per se. I got to save up. I get another, got to get another hard drive so I can mirror my next cloud instance. Long story short, I downloaded the first 10 years in air quotes of pride fighting events, but I got to transcode them, put them in the right format, combine some of them to be a single video. And then I'm going to let a guy, a good friend copy them uh, because he's a big pride fighting fan. I figured while I'm sitting home from work, I might as well make somebody else happy at the same time. So, I gotta do that. Uh, besides that, I finally jumped off of Raspbian X, uh, which was the Raspberry Pi focused desktop interface where they would allow you to switch from a Windows like desktop to a Mac like desktop to a genuine Linux type desktop. And I believe they even had a Chromium like desktop. I finally jumped ship because Raspbian X basically got deprecated, got pulled into Twister OS. So I loaded Twister OS on my Raspberry Pi 4, 4 gigs of RAM with the Ice Tower cooler. Ice Tower Cooler will not go above 36 degrees no matter what I do. So I've been able to n- nail stuff against this operating system and have most of it work really good. Um, this is the first distribution. I finally got Steam working on it, not Steam Link, genuine Steam running on it. Um, That's good to hear. Yeah, the two things I had to do was I had to go into PyKiss. If you've never heard of PyKiss, P-I-K-I-S-S, it's um, Pi, keep it simple, stupid application to where you could in like very few clicks install a bunch of things from grand theft auto 3 to vulcan um drivers or amongst a crazy amount of things in between i'll I'll say including uh samba servers ssh servers web servers email servers all kinds of stuff so i had to go into pykiss and load the vulcan driver then i had to go into the box 86 which is the x86 emulation layer, and I had to update that. Then when I loaded Steam, I couldn't load the normal Steam interface. I could load the Steam compact interface or the big picture interface. So I can install and uninstall games. I've tried maybe 30-something games. I've gotten at least 11 or 12 to load. Of those, like 9 to 10 of them run great. Two of them run at like half speed, so i got to see if I can kind of tweak them. So I finally got genuine Steam to install on a Pi device and games to actually run. Um, with Box86, I want it to become more mature because I want to be able to put other 32-bit-based things on my Raspberry Pi. Yeah, that'd be nice. Um, what? Uh, so when you say 32-bit-based, are you talking 32-bit um, x86 software? Yeah, when I load up my Steam, it loads x86 versions of the games and when it calls the steam executable it does it on this uh, x86 emulation layer so i don't need genuine arm ports of any of these things to uh for it to work okay that's good okay yeah yeah so that was one of like time killing kind of things um i will also say um i'm also finally getting around to curating some of my games list because built into Twister OS is also RetroPie. RetroPie, oh, yeah, super easy way to load kind of games. Uh, I'm using SSH um, commands to back up all the directories to other places, so I can save on one device, load on another. Um, oh, that'd be fun. I my, need to, uh, yeah. Re- RetroPie is is just all kinds of fun. It, it, yeah, my basic goal was to get starting at the like Atari Twenty Six Hundred level go up to around the Nintendo 64 level and just pick out the creme de la creme of each of the systems and then have that as my master list of games. And then I'll start doing something else. That'd be nice. That'd be good. Um, side note, um, I, I actually picked a theme for my, uh, my RV. Speaking of Atari, um, in 2012, Hot Wheels did a, um, 
a version of the GMC Motorhome, 1977 GMC Motorhome, and uh, they did an Atari 2600 version. So it was what I thought was black with wood grain and said Atari 2600 on the side. Well, I bought one, and uh, it's actually like a, almost like a galaxy blue, black-ish uh, metallic. And so long story short, I'm changing all my switches, um, all my buttons, all my everything to arcade buttons. And I have found a way to use my ESP32, which is my favorite IoT device ever, um, to have different lights come on because I change out the, uh, the actual light bulb in the, uh, in the arcade button. So the light will actually change RGB with signal, with serial, instead of just straight RGB. So it'll, uh, I have one for my starter button that um, if, I, if any of my doors are open outside, it'll flash red, won't let me start. If any of my doors on the inside are open, it'll flash yellow, and uh, it'll still let me start the RV. But uh, if everything's closed, it'll, it'll just stay green when I turn my key on, and it'll just let me turn it on. Um, so it's going to be a lot of programming. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's gonna be, I'm basically turning this RV into a showpiece as much as I can. Very cool, very cool. Um, quick uh, question in the chat. If you want to join us live in the chat, you can follow us on Twitter, Discord. Uh, if you want to, I can send you an email or a Patreon, or you can just I can send you an email. Just shoot me your email address when we go live, and I'll shoot you an email. John in the chat is asking, is a mini PC a good platform to run arcade game ROMs? The short answer is it depends on which arcade games. You then mentioned Mortal Kombat. Um, you can run Mortal Kombat on any mini PC, probably going back to the Raspberry Pi 2, and it will run just fine. Uh, my personal opinion about any game emulation, it all depends on the hardware. Uh, if you spend the money on a modest arcade stick, which is like 60 to 70 bucks right there, you will get some really authentic Mortal Kombat Street Fighter-like gaming on a sub $40 computer board. That's what I'll say. You'll end up spending more money on the monitor and more money on the input stick than the actual computer itself. And I'll, uh, I'll add to that the, uh, speaking of which, the buttons. Um, I went two ways with the buttons. I tried the relatively inexpensive kits that uh, you can get on Amazon. Um, and they, they I, I, have, I have a thing about, you know, it's, if you want an arcade feel, you need to get the arcade buttons that have the micro, micro switches. They have replaceable micro switches, um, but if you get the ones that are really inexpensive, I'm not saying cheap as in like bad quality, but they're inexpensive, you don't get that tactical feel of an arcade switch, of an arcade button that, you know. So like Dor said, spend the money on the, on the hardware and you'll get 99% you'll get to a, um, an original feeling of the game. Yeah, yeah, and uh, really quick, there, uh, the elephant in the room for this episode, I'll say, is Amazon Sidewalk. Um, you have your typical, what I'll say, um, how can I say this? Your typical flame-baiting, knee-jerk reaction, uneducated tech journalist scream at the top of their lungs and yet have absolutely zero education on what they're talking about, okay? Amazon Sidewalk. Um, Amazon Sidewalk was announced well over a year ago well over a year ago. Um, in fact, the spec of it was actually completely published well over a year ago. Um, they announced that uh, starting here in like 30 days or so, every applicable Amazon device will have Amazon Sidewalk turned on by default. And then the tech journalists go absolutely crazy. Amazon's going to give away your internet connection. They're going to steal your bandwidth. They're going to let anybody use your network kind of thing. Um, and I'll just say very abruptly, that's not how any of this works. You sound like the old woman in the insurance commercial with pictures on her wall saying that they're going to unfriend you and take you off their wall. You literally have no idea how any of this works, okay? There's going to be a link in the notes to a Security Now episode from now over a year ago where Steve Gibson goes through every single aspect of the protocol of Sidewalk, and he tells you how it's based on a LoRa. That, that's how I pronounce it, L LoRa protocol, which by default 
is only using bits at a time. It's so teeny tiny in usage. It's kind of insane. Number one, number two, Amazon can't even see inside the bits. Okay. That's how secure it is. It's basically, it's like Tor on top of Tor kind of thing where nobody can see inside the bits. They're only going to use very little bits of bandwidth at a time. And if you have anything, even like a hundred megs up or down, you're never even going to notice things using this device. You're not going to stream video using Amazon Sidewalk. All it is is literally uh, up to half a mile away, the devices will be able to send information, especially like the new Amazon uh, Bluetooth tracking devices. They'll be able to just send like a MAC address over this protocol. It will take like a minute for it to get there, but they'll be able to send the MAC address over. And that's really all that this protocol is doing. And now, is that, real quick, is that is that kind of similar to a LoRa um, protocol? I do believe the Amazon devices are using exactly that, a L-O-R-A, long-range protocol. Yeah, because that thing doesn't do any kind of network speed, but the the distance on it is ridiculous. Yes, I mean, hypothetically, even if you only have 10 megs up in your network speed, and you have 15 Amazon Alexa devices in your house, and all of them are using Amazon Sidewalk, you will not be able to do a speed test and tell that they're using your internet. See, I, when I read that, I first thought, oh, great, you know, now they're publishing my Wi-Fi again. Uh, you know, just like, that's why I don't have a cable company router modem set up. I have my own modem, my own router. But, yeah, when I read further into it, I'm like, oh, you know, it's just like tracking tags. And I'm like, yeah, okay. It's not giving away free internet. Yeah, and, and that's what a lot of people were first afraid of. I understand the Xfinity router's will literally blast an open network that anybody who's right. an Xfinity customer can access and use. Does that yeah. still work? I'm 99% sure, yeah. Oh, wow. I have to do that with my RB then. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and like, this is nothing like that. This is only Amazon-trusted devices using this protocol will be able to do automated kind of things. Um, If you're in a suburb area, even if only one out of 10 houses are using this, uh, they're still going to be able to get 100% coverage. Uh, they did a uh, test of this in Seattle where they basically gave every employee in air quotes a free Alexa type device. Um, only like 10% took advantage of it. And they had 100% coverage of the city of Seattle. Wow. Um, yeah. That's pretty cool. Because so that, Yeah. I, I do like the idea, especially of uh, that type of LoRa interface and the uh, LoRa protocol because it makes theoretically a tile or you know the amazon tags or whatever should become small enough to be tags for animals you know and if if we can do that i won't worry about taking my cat anywhere because if it gets out then you know it's going to be trackable you can find it yeah i can find it you know or just shake the can and you know she'll usually come back anyway but yeah that was the number one example of how this can be used for the community good uh, tracking pets kind of thing. And I have to say, it makes a hell of a lot of sense to me. And it, yeah. And I'll say, if, if you're the kind of person that hears this kind of thing and then gets upset, well, then I got to ask you, why in the hell would you buy an Amazon device in the first place? <laughs> yeah. Well, and then two, if you're a Google person and you say, <laughs> making fun of those Amazon people, guess what, buddy? <laughs> Your days are numbered because they're coming for you too. Google's going to do this exact same thing. If we learned one thing over time, once a company does one thing, every other company tries to swarm in and do that better. Yeah. Um, I mean, look at uh, look at Apple with, I mean, everything. I hate to say it, but 99% of the stuff that they have done, aside from, you know, very, very few things, is just a little bit better mousetrap and a little bit better in air quotes. You know, is it not always better, but it works. That's... I hate to say it, but that's the good thing about it, about Apple devices that they they work. But we can make our stuff work way better. It's just we have to make it work way better. Yeah, they I, always uh, say it was build um build quality. I don't think it was build quality per se. I think it was um uh like their manufacturing line checking of quality. Just not a fan of the Apple tax. I'm not a fan of the Apple software. Period. To be honest, it's just it, it, I mean, as with any nerd. We all know it's too locked down, but it's too locked down for a reason. Yeah, I'm I'm liking the OS less and less. I what am I running right now? I'm like one OS version behind. Uh, so I'm 
to open a like site without a good SSL, you know, a self-signed uh, cert, you got to like click go there. No, I really want to um, go there. No, I want to go there. Here's my password. Okay, let me go there. It's like really, yeah. please, just and it, I, I'm sure there's some way there to should, bypass that. I, I was no going to say how. there should be a, there should be a way to at least ease it up. Accept the certificate, or yeah, if it's on my LAN, let me go there. You know. Yeah. Well, especially that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those kind of things. I hate to say it. They're for the in air quote normal user. Uh, because the amount of malware, ransomware, crypto stuff yeah. on Mac has never been as bad as it is right now. Uh, so they have to do everything in their power to try to slow it down. Well, they've never had enough of a market share. I mean, what's their market share now? Is it? I mean, I know it's gone up, but it still can't be more than 20%, is it? Oh, no. Um, total computing devices, it's still way below that. It's still below 10%. Uh, if you're just yeah. in the U.S. market, and if you put computing devices in one category because of their tablets and phones, they're, I do believe, above 15%. Okay, yeah, because I remember about five years ago, maybe five, six years ago, I checked and it was like 12%. So, you know, or, but... What's the term? It's not confirmation bias, but everywhere I go, everybody has a Mac. Everywhere I go, everybody has a, you know, iPhone. It is a everywhere you go has. Bias. Yeah, it, everyone has an iPhone. Not everyone has a Mac. I don't know. I, 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 oh, but... You know, like play. I'm just saying. So there's like three truisms I can tell you about my life experience. Everybody has a Mac. Everybody has an iPhone, and everybody in Palm Beach is from New York. <laughs> yeah, it's the same cognitive bias. Where I get a Honda minivan, and all of a sudden I notice well, every like Honda. three to four vehicles is a Honda friggin' minivan. That, that's yeah. like my wife's car. Before my wife got that Lexus RX 450, I didn't even know what it was. And now, speaking I of which, see, I like, want to talk about that. Eight an hour. I, you know, I just want to, like, since we're talking about Mac, I just want to, I know we talked, Dor and I talked about this on the show before, but I'm building my own Mac. So here's here's my Mac trash can. I'm just showing this to Brett. All of our viewers or listeners or subscribers have seen this before. And this is four Raspberry Pis with a five-port uh, switch. And on the bottom here is, I, I can't show you, but... There's an Ethernet to Ethernet jack, so there's going to be one power wire going in, That'd be um, nice. one Ethernet cable, and that's the fan. Oh, that's cool. I like that. So yeah, I've been. Uh, I've actually been looking. Uh, am I still here? Hold on. We hear you. We don't see you. Yeah, I just accidentally refreshed the page. Hold on, just one second. Keep talking. I'm done talking now. When you, <laughs> when you tell people to talk, then nobody knows what to say. I do like that setup. Um, I will say that, uh, and I do think I messed up the uh, video here, so I need a second. Uh, okay, I'm back. Uh, but uh, what I was looking at, um, I have in my RV, I have, a, let's see, I have my engine, which has a 140 amp uh, alternator to charge the house, the, to charge the regular batteries. You know, actually, you'd be surprised how many, how, how small that is. Uh, most engines need at least 90 to run oh, fuel now, injection. Here's airplanes. Most airplanes have a 30 amp alternator. Yeah, I'm talking single is engine that, piston. Okay, is that, yeah. Yeah, because I know most uh, pre-fuel injection was, the normal was 40 to 45. Um, but uh, I have a 6,000 watt Onan generator, which is built into the RV from from the actual, it's the original um, one, slides out, it's so beautiful. air-cooled? Air-cooled. Gasoline-powered? Gasoline-powered from the actual tank. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. From the actual uh, from the actual gas tank, it only goes to a quarter tank in one of the uh, uh, in one of the, one of the two gas tanks before it shuts itself off. And that thing runs, that thing's got 170 hours on it from cool. 1977. You know, it, and um, how loud is that? You know what? I could probably replace the the little shock absorbers, but it is huh? not that loud. You can okay, hear it inside I, a little bit, but it's really not that bad. Yeah, but we've always heard that people with the modern, you know, RVs or whatever that that the new ones are super quiet. Yeah, if you get an inverter style generator, it's night and day. But this compared to like a normal generator that you know you get at harbor freight or you get anywhere that isn't an inverter like a honda style it's much quieter than a regular generator 
All right. So that that's one thing I was always shocked at in Manhattan. Well, two things. I just in Manhattan, like uh, in the winter, the you know whether it's a hot dog vendor or pretzel vendor on the corner with a cart, he would have lights and he'd have a Honda generator, and you couldn't hear it running. I was always shocked. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Well, that's and because the, it's the style. It's it's not a regular generator. Mm-hmm. It's a twelve volt generator. If I remember right, it's a twelve volt generator that acts as an inverter to one twenty. Okay. Gotcha. So it doesn't it it it's a completely different mechanism and I don't understand it. I haven't looked into it enough, but it's it's very cool. It's very very cool. Yeah, and the the other thing I'm shocked at that's been quiet and again, it's probably been quiet for more than a decade, but I've been out of boating for a very long time. Outboards used to be deafening. Really? So I was uh, kayaking this weekend and somebody pulled up with an outboard. I didn't hear him until they were like about 10 feet away from me. Wow. And now would that uh, Sorry, excuse my ignorance for boating outboard. Is that propeller-based? Yeah. Okay. okay, so would that technically be the propeller, that the technology in the propeller, or the sound of the yeah. engine? No, They so they went from two-stroke, uh, where you had to mix the gas and oil together, okay. to a four-stroke engine that's you know oil-injected, and okay. it, again, you know, muffler technology, whatever, has yeah. gotten better. So like it, yeah. it might could have been an electric motor, you know, by just the amount of noise or lack wow. thereof. Yeah. Well, mine's definitely not quiet. I've got uh, I've got Magnaflows with a three inch exhaust all the way to the back. Uh, no catalytic converter. No resonator. No uh, no nothing. Just straight uh, Magnaflow mufflers and mm-hmm. single pipe. Uh, and at at idle, it sounds nice and just calm and good. But you put some RPM on that thing, and it's it, it likes to yell. But uh, what's kind of cool is at seventy to seventy five, which is way too fast for a twelve thousand pound um, motorhome. The RPM is literally at twenty five hundred. I get I get about nice. sixteen. Yeah, I get about sixteen to seventeen miles per gallon with this whole setup. Dude. Dude, you're killing me. I get 16 in my Envoy. Yeah. How? It, it's I, the RPMs and it's the, yeah, yeah, it's the RPMs and well, and I technically I'm getting I haven't checked it yet, but technically I'm getting better now because of the uh, the ECU install uh-huh. because uh-huh. I'm able to uh, change the fuel air to fuel ratio more more towards a um, a better fuel economy rather than more power. Gotcha. Yeah, so it's uh, it's fun, and I. Uh, yeah, I talk I talk about the RV way too much, but it's it's what uh, I have fun with. You, you know what you need to watch is there's an episode of Watch JR Go where he does an open loop lean burn on a Corvette and gets crazy mileage. Really? Yes. Huh. I have to look that up. Yeah. Um, the uh, the guy that helps me with uh, with all this tuning is actually the guy that well started all of it. Um, he. Uh, he told me because I was I was getting about 16 air to fuel, and he said you need to you need to knock that way down. You're going to burn your engine up because uh, because that was the original ECU. He said uh, with that much weight, that much load on the engine, he said you're going to burn the engine up in in 10,000 miles. And uh, mm-hmm. so I went I went quite a bit down, and uh, yeah, he's uh, he's been helping me. God, is he smart? He's but you know he started the company, so I understand oh, cool. why he's smart. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah, normal stoichio- stoichiometric ratio is fourteen point seven to one air to fuel yep. ratio. Yeah, yeah, and you know, based on it throws me off, but you know, depending on the injection or depending on the timing, the injection, the uh, air to fuel, you get different powers at different levels or different RPMs, and so my problem is my torque goes way up in the higher RPMs, uh-huh. so I never get it, but I never get above. 2500 rpm period gotcha even so so that's why i needed to tune it down to where the uh-huh. the ratio went better in the lower rpms you know gotcha. but uh but yeah i was it's a lot to learn but and i don't even know half the stuff i'm doing but i'm learning oh very cool <sighs> very cool um i just want to mention one more gaming related thing because it is a mini pc related thing it's going to be three quick successive links in the chat one of them is to a Verge article where they're speculating they've heard that Valve, the company behind Steam, is working on a handheld Nintendo Switch, in air quotes, competitor 
Uh, and then the other two links, one is to an Indiegogo, one is to an ETA Prime video uh, with this Onyx player, uh, O-N-E-X-P-L-A-Y-E-R, uh, basically a Tiger Lake handheld 8-inch, um, 8.4-inch display. Um, starts out at $700, tops off at, I want to say, like $1,300, $1,400. Um, mini x86 computer. Supposedly, Valve is looking at making a handheld Linux-based Steam system. Um, I'll just say if it's anything like their Steam boxes that they tried now, which I can't believe it's been a decade ago, but their Steam boxes that they tried a decade ago, then this has no hope of being successful in any shape or form. If they think they can charge $700 for a handheld computer that runs Steam games, I think they're going to be extremely sadly mistaken. I think you have to get the price literally down to below $400 and it needs to be a really good experience. Or well, else. they need to get it down to four, at least at least down to four hundred dollars, and it needs to match or, like you said, exceed something like the Switch. Yeah, and the number of games on the Switch are insane. Uh, they do have some crapware on it, but the they but they still can't keep them in market. This is now I want to say a four year old system, and stores can't keep it in stock. So the Nintendo yeah. people hit something right. Well, like I, I've always said the biggest the biggest. Uh, innovation with the switch has always to me been the joy cons they did such a good job with the joy cons it's ridiculous what you can do in that little remote control that i mean nothing else is anything super impressive i mean it's got if i remember if i remember right the specs are right around a raspberry pi and it uses an arm-based um you know but the amount of software that went into it like you always said door that you know it's it's 50% 50% hardware, 50% software, but the Joy-Cons is what I think they really hit a home run on, and I don't think anyone's going to be able to match those. At least not... It, they'll be able to match them, but I don't think they'll be able to improve upon them for at least another five years. Yeah, and like just to like to end the tangent on that one is um the processor used in the Nintendo Switch, NVIDIA already said by the end of the year they're not going to make it anymore. Um, so the rumor oh, wow. mill is the Nintendo Switch Pro, which I really think they should call the Super Nintendo Switch. But you know what do I know? I agree. Uh, they don't think it's going to be three hundred dollars. They think it's going to be three fifty or four hundred dollars. So uh, if they can't keep it in stock and they push the price up a little bit, maybe that will actually cause it to slow down in sales. Um, or the people who had a Switch who want to upgrade will then take theirs and give it to somebody else and go get a new one. Um, yeah. So there is a market for Valve to step in, and I do think to become extremely successful, but they have to be much more business savvy than they've been in the past with hardware is what I'll say. Um, there's a lot of money to be made. Um, the money in the game industry is greater than all of Hollywood for like the last four or five years, uh, and it's only getting more, oh, yeah. and more and more. So, Especially because of you know COVID, how, how much it, it switched everything over to streaming real quick. You know, you, you you got things out of the movie theaters and into streaming, and they had to have a new way of calculating how good a movie did. You know, they based everything on on how many minutes were watched of the movie versus how many ticket sales, you know, and yeah. it's weird. Yeah, yeah, and a little bit of news. Um, this, to me, is a sign of things to come, um, you know, without sounding repetitive. Years ago, years and years and years ago, I said how, maybe six years ago, how the Raspberry Pi would take over a area of computing and these arm-based processors are now a significant percentage of the market period uh hence intel is basically in trouble they branched out to now graphics uh drivers and graphics cards and they're trying to literally offload some of their x86 production to somebody else so they can save money kind of thing um now arm needs to worry big time they need to worry royally because now you have risk v processors literally hitting the streets uh, this one um, software development place, uh, they paid for a thousand RISC-V boards to be made, and they're handing them out to developers for free kind of thing. Um, I firmly believe by the time 2023 comes around, 2024 comes around, about a half of the right now things that have ARM-based processors in them could very easily be replaced with RISC-V processors. And what I mean by that is really low-end mini computers like the Nano Pies, the Orange Pies, some of the Banana Pies, all of the IoT-type infrastructure, all the Alexa devices, all the Google Mini devices, all of those kinds of devices can easily be replaced with RISC-V. But the other place where I can see RISC-V becoming even more popular is like embedded into monitors 
for television sets. Um, so I think we're like on the precipice of the beginning of the wave starting to crest. And within like six months to a year, it's going to start to break. And it's going to take another year to two years for all the hardware to hit the streets to where people are going to be programming against RISC-V. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I was looking at line 457. So anytime there's an Intel single board computer catches my interest, but there's no pricing on it. And I hate to say my interest is highly dependent on the pricing. Yeah, I absolutely understand why you say that. Uh, I will say this one did catch my eye and it, because it, it's technically Intel-based, but I think more importantly, it's Intel socket-based, So, which means you could put in different processors that you wanted in the board. And we haven't seen this really too many on too many uh, mini computers. So I definitely like the idea of them doing this. So uh, it looks like its pie form factor might be a smidge bigger. Uh, well, you can get it with an i7 8-core 16-thread Comet Lake processor. It says 2 slash 4.4 gigahertz turbo, which, wow. That, and so, of course, I'm always thinking about an ESXi cluster. Uh, you can get up to 64 gigs of RAM on it. And realistically, if they came in with a good price, that, that's pretty good. Uh, now, it does have, you could do other things with it. It's got dual gig Ethernet. Um, it's got two onboard SATAs. Uh, let's see, it says DisplayPort VGA. I, I was just looking at the board. I really didn't read the specs on it. Uh, two USB 3.2, which is cool. It says, let's see, uh, M. M2, so it's got an M2 PCIe 4X by 1 SATA, NVMe also, I2C, SMBus. So it's got a lot of connectivity. Uh, the, the only thing I was kind of surprised at is that it didn't have a second monitor, you know, that it, either two display ports or, or something of the sort. It does have, like I said, a VGA and a display port. Well, can't you... Uh run most uh isn't there video out in most uh, usb nowadays anyway usb uh, 3.2 oh actually you could be right on that right yeah and i do think that the vga port is actually not a vga port per se i think it's a uh serial port for like base uh communications but with that said this is the kind of flexibility functionality I think is really sexy. I do think the price is probably going to be a touch more than either of us would like it to be. But if you're the person that needs a super small form factor with an i7, with Google's RAM, and with two real gigabit NICs, uh, I don't know where else you're going to get something this small um, to do this kind of thing. Well, with the flexibility that it offers. It's like a looks like a black RAM connector uh, or socket RAM socket at the edge of the board uh, next to the VGA connector. Yeah, um, and another board I wanted to bring up, even though there isn't hasn't really been a lot of hardware um, news per se, uh, we've had the uh, RK thirty three sixty six processors here for now. It seems like over two years. Uh, I want to say that they're finally starting to run their course of max efficiency. Uh, they're not doing as much on the video front as I was really hoping they were going to do. I was really hoping they would easily do 4K and punch into some 8K kind of stuff, and they're really not doing it. Now we have the RK3566 processors that are right now starting to, to launch. Um, first one is called a Firefly, uh, and it says it's going to have um, the quad-core uh a55 SBC supports up to 8 gig EEC with 120 gigabyte flash, M.2 uh, storage, MBNE, SSDs, HDMI 2.0, and an M and a MIPI um, DSI video out with gigabit Ethernet and more. This is definitely Raspberry Pi form factor. Um, this is like the beginning of the next generation of these. Uh, rock processors that we see um and it's honestly fairly priced it wasn't insanely priced i want to say it was 69 dollars uh two gigs of ram 32 gigs of storage going for 75 dollars four gigs of ram 32 gigs of storage 105 dollars uh and they looks like they're going to also have like uh higher versions of that coming out so this is like the beginning of these boards so hopefully in air quotes prices will just continue to come down See, Android 11, uh, and then a question mark on Ubuntu 18.04.
Yeah, it seems like a lot of these boards have an easier time, is the way I'll put it, onboarding Android operating systems onto their uh, boards before Linux. Uh, there must be some level of tweaking in the kernel drivers uh, in order to get these things to run Linux in the beginning. But again, this is basically the very first RK3356 uh, based board. So when these boards come out more frequently, they'll be able to port Linux, I think, easier, quicker. It's interesting. Uh, Price-wise, you know, it's much more than I'd like, but uh, if the performance is there, that'd be decent. Yeah, this is Gen 1. I would hope by Gen 2 or Gen 3, we could get respectable specs for like under $55. Yeah, and the real quick follow-up I wanted to say, Rich, was um, how you've had your um, Wise Watch now for at least a month and a half. Oh, more than that. So uh, I saw you had an article here about the Wise Watch. And um, so I went to like a long weekend. And so the Wise Watch is now my go-to for going away for a long weekend because I don't have to bring a charger or anything with it. And uh, hold on. You guys talk among yourselves. Yeah, Wise Watch is uh, sub $30, very flexible, IoT interface is the way I want to use it. It's not as smart, in air quotes, as the smartwatches are, uh, but it's not as stupid as just like the fitness counters is. It falls somewhere in between. What I didn't realize was there was two different size watches, which I knew, but I didn't realize with the two different size watches, there were two different sets of features available on each watch. Uh, and that yeah, was the I, thing that this review showed me. Yeah, I accidentally got the uh, the 47, which is the very... Small features, um, no, uh, no Amazon built-in, no, uh, really just base, 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 and a couple wise things, but you know nothing, nothing to write home about. Period, and it was very disappointing. Um, it's got sleep tracking. It's got it. That one to me falls below the fitness trackers because it has so, so many options, and that's it. Yeah, sorry about that, guys. Uh, so I got the 47. Um, it's, I like the sleep tracking. I usually sleep with the watch on. Um, I just... There, let, let me break it down. So there's some things I haven't configured yet. And I was going to say, well, I wear my Galaxy watch during the day because notifications like work email. But I probably just have to click a button and it works on my Wise Watch. The, the Wise Watch... Uh, you can't make a phone call from it, and you can't pay for crap with it. But it lasts for 10 freaking days. It's also lighter weight. So if I'm biking or something like that, my Galaxy Watch tracks my biking. But if I'm working out, like when the trainer comes to the house or something like that, uh, I wear that watch, the Wise Watch, because it's lighter weight, because I'm usually doing you know more movement, more motion. Um so, yeah, and I replaced the band. I don't have the stock band on. I'm sorry. I'm not wearing a watch right now. But uh, the Wise Watch, it, to me, I, I just laugh in my brain all the time thinking I'm wearing a watch that has fantastic functionality and costs me 20 bucks. Yeah, I'll agree. For the price, you can't really beat it. Um, what, what disappointed me was the fact that I have the Wise Band. And mm-hmm. it works great, and it's got the Amazon built in where you can actually, you know, do little things here and there. But the fact that you can't really do anything with the Wise Watch just kind of bothers me. Well, you can do Wise ecosystem things with the Wise yeah, Watch. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, there's not much, yeah. yeah. So here's, I, I'm always continually frustrated on devices, and, and let's talk IoT or sub whatever, sub-mini computer or something like that. Um, the, the problem is ecosystems. And yeah. I, I always like to break through. That's why I want to have a Roku instead of a Google TV or an Amazon Fire Stick because it's not playing on anyone's team. I'd rather have more agnostic hardware. But again, apparently Roku had a spat with YouTube TV you know, it, it, it's just going to be a more pain in the ass that these, I'm more of an open systems fan, let, let me say that, where the, things are extensible as yeah, opposed to and, being closed. Well, that's, that's one of the reasons why I gravitated and still am working with my uh, home assistant. 
Um, I have a full home assistant set up in the RV, um, controls my lights, does uh, temperatures in uh, a few areas, you know, nothing, nothing major right now as far as automation, but everything, it's, it's, you can hook everything to it. It has every, it has my LG TV, the LG web OS connected to it, as well as my Roku, as well as my Google TV, you know, everything can be hooked to it and controlled, uh-huh. which is really nice. Um, but you know, it's, it, there's still, it, it's work to get it started, you know, but, uh, but that's the fun part to me. Oh, and just one more wise bit of news. I, I, generally like the wise company oh where's my wise camera uh something happened with i think my power supply or the battery went bit or you know the something went wrong with the power on it so i pulled it out of my garage but um i did order the wise earbuds i did pre-order on that they're going to be scheduled to ship in july i want to cut them a break in case they're late so i'm kind of excited to get them they're the noise that'd be nice yeah i was considering uh getting the uh the headphones the, yeah, the noise-canceling headphones. And just kind of a side note, I was at a firearms event uh, two weekends ago, and a lot of people had, like, earbud electronic noise-canceling. And I was kind of shocked. They said it worked real good, except around the machine guns, so... That's interesting. That's, that's, that's pretty impressive, actually. Yeah, yeah. Because I'll, I'll usually double up. I'll usually put a foamy in, and then I'll have an active noise-canceling headset and I'll crank up the volume so I can hear it through the foamies when people talk, but it cancels when something goes bang. Yeah. Yeah, I'll say I'm a fan of the wise way of doing things, is what I'll say, because it's kind of like the Roku way of doing things. Of We're not going to be utterly restrictive about what we can do. We'll support our stuff, but if we can support other stuff at the same time, then we'll do that as well kind of thing. Yeah, I wish there was a home assistant you know, app on the watch that I could do a couple home assistant things that I could just tap on my watch and turn the light on or, or something that I could get yeah. the UI up. Well, that's the, uh, that's what the wise band allows you to do with the Alexa stuff. That's you crazy. Can, yeah. It, it'll, it basically acts as a, as an, as an intermediate. Um, so the wise band can do that. Um, but the only reason I don't like the wise cameras, I love the wise cameras but the only reason I don't use them, I actually use the um, EUFY UFI um, because they they ship with uh, RT RTMP support out of the box, so I can hook that up to my home assistant. I can't do anything okay. with home assistant with with uh-huh. the, with the Wise unless I do a secondary tablet that runs the tablet the the tiny cam server uh, uh-huh. but yeah. uh yeah so that's the only reason why you know i don't and and they don't really have a beta firmware that does that at any speed you know it's usually like a five second delay on their oh, beta firmware okay so it's yeah, just so like yeah and that's uh, where we're talking open architecture and yeah. along with that conversation i have a uh, cameras hardwired cameras um with cat5 connecting them and the nvr they they it's not a dvr it's a network video recorder and whatever you know parse the language um but really what i've been wanting to do and probably everybody's going to roll their eyes when i say it is have ai watch the streams and like let me know when somebody's on the property and like if it's family maybe open the garage door if it's closed or deactivate the alarm or if it's like ups or fedex dropping off a package let me know hey package at the front door kind of yeah and that that's exactly what i want to do with the rv is because because i will be vulnerable when i'm out um i it's, it's a lot harder to check the door you know when when there's uh, when there's you know someone at the door or something it, it's so what I what I'm doing is actually uh, Unraid and was and it's called uh, Shinobi which is a uh, and I think we've talked about it before is is that's one thing that I'm going to be setting up with those uh, um, those other cameras um, once I that way what I want to have is a 
backup camera and side mirror cameras as well as a door camera. Um, I'd like to set it up and I've figured out a way to do it to where when I turn on my right blinker, there's a screen right next to me that turns on my right uh, video stream. And then so left what blinker. What year is your, your RV? 74. So this is pre CAN bus and all that. Correct. So everything okay. everything's able to be read. Technically, I do have CAN bus throughout it because the uh, the ECU that I have actually runs a I got a seven inch uh, digital um, uh, digital display mm-hmm. that that it's a digital gauge cluster. So it's a gotcha. TFT screen that oh it's mm-hmm. it's awesome. But uh, but yeah, so all the engine mechanics run through CAN. Mm-hmm. But um, everything else is is very very simple on off switches. Right, right. But yeah, it's you know so so when I when I want to, you know I can I can pull the uh, the output on the blinkers. You know I can pull I can just tap into the line. You know when it sees power being sent to the blinker, turns mm-hmm. on the it turns on the uh, the feed. Um, and then same with backup camera, which I'm actually going to have the backup camera on all the time. Um, just to, yeah, so it'll be, it should be fun. Um, it'll be interesting because I'll also be able to record at all times. And like you said, do the person tracking. Yes. So that'll be fun. Very cool. Very cool. Um, here's our board. I wanted to highlight just to make sure it's in the notes, uh, kind of thing. I'm not going to say I'm going to get one. I will say this is approaching the level of quality and value that I think a lot of people like. I'm not going to say it's there yet, but it's really close. And that is the Rock Pi 4 Plus board was a uh, denounced. Uh, that's on 467. Um, basically, this is, a um, again, a RK3399 hexacore processor. So as a quick reminder... That is two cores running at two gigahertz and four cores running at 1.5 gigahertz. Um, this is going to come preloaded with Twister OS. So if anything should run well on this thing, it should be this Twister OS. Um, if they're going to have at least four different versions, it looks like um, model A plus with two gigs of RAM, 16 gigs of built-in storage, 49 bucks. Uh, A plus, 4 gigs of RAM, 32 gigs of storage, $65. Model B plus, 2 gigs of RAM, 16 gig, 59 bucks. B plus with 4 gigs of RAM, 32 gigs, $75. So it is a touch pricey is what I'll say, but for anybody to even come close to compete with Raspberry Pi prices is going to be extremely difficult just because nobody slings as much uh, silicon as the Raspberry Pi Foundation. So for them to even get the prices that they got here is almost enough to make me want to buy one of these just because um, I want other companies to see more of my business than less of my business is the way I'll put it. Uh So what is it, uh, as far as it says, the onboard built-in storage, um, is it EMMC or? I do believe it is built-in, baked into the board EMMC if I look at it right. That's nice. Despite the upgrade and addition of EMMC storage, suggested pricing, yes. Yeah, and it looks like it will also have a micro SD card reader plus an M.2 connector as well. Um, so I'm a fan of both of them. I like the idea of putting base operating system on SD card with no swap, uh, uh-huh, take uh-huh. all the logs, put them into RAM, and then you could lo- you use the M.2 for actual like network storage kind yep. of thing. And it's very, very close to Raspberry Pi form factor. I think it's just a touch taller. Um, but more than likely, by the numbers, it looks like most Raspberry Pi cases should actually be able to fit this, I think. At least, um, now, see, because they have only one full-sized HDMI port, not the two little minis. So you might be able to get a Raspberry Pi case, pull it into uh, like an AutoCAD kind of thing and modify it to fit. But um, this is just another one from the uh rock pie people which i will say i think they've done good things in the past i've never heard anybody complain about their hardware one of the little stupid niceties is i want to say is they actually have color-coded gpio pins uh which i think the asus tinkerboard was the first one i saw to do that that to me is one of those little niceties that show that they actually care about people plugging up uh g gpio to their board 
All right, I was just scrolling through the notes here. 17.3-inch Chromebook? Yep, for old people or people with bad eyes. 4 gig of RAM or 8 gig possible but not confirmed. All right, so... Yeah, they're talking, it doesn't seem like they have a firm number, but they're talking like $300 price. Yeah, I want to say as it goes with Chrome-related things, whether it's Chrome bits, Chrome boxes, or Chrome books, um, it seems like no company is able to actually hide any of their information from the prying eyes of websites, whether it be um, um, uh, Chromecast.com, 9to5Chrome, uh, Chrome Unboxed, none of them can seem to like hide their stuff from these kind of websites. So when they say there's a 17-inch Chromebook coming, you know, there's a 17-inch Chromebook coming. And look, like I said, I'm pushing 50. I'm at the point where I'm almost saying, huh, 17-inch Chromebook. I could see a use for that. Well, all right. So my work laptop, which is actually over here, is a 13-inch, which I'm like, really? And somebody on my team is like, oh, yeah, I don't even use an external monitor at home. I'm like, are you out of your mind? Just stuff that we do day to day, like the, the vSphere interface, does not display properly on a 13-inch, you know, web page. It just, it doesn't. So, I mean, my, my Chromebook, I, I got a 15-inch Chromebook that I paid 200 bucks for. Still, still loving it. Yeah, and I'll say it's a um, Asus Chromebook, and I have, ah, I have a bias, okay? I've had, I've messed with Acer Chromebooks, Dell Chromebooks, Asus Chromebooks, the original CR48 Chromebook, um, and, it, and uh, at least one or two more. I firmly believe that Asus is like the best form for the money kind of thing. The Dells were a little bit expensive, but they were definitely more rugged with the antibacterial coating. Um, the Acer ones to me were just a little bit cheaper, and you could tell. The Asus, I think, hit the sweet spot of the right amount of money for the right amount of hardware kind of thing. So for them to do it at 17-inch one, I believe they're going to be at least mildly successful. So I, I want to shout out to Chatter on the Water. He's like, hey, hope you updated vSphere because um, there, there have been security updates. And yeah, we're all over that. You know what I'm kind of scratching my head on and I haven't, I'm kind of thinking out loud is I've done zero updates on my ESXi Pi cluster. And I don't know, I'm assuming all of the normal updates are for Intel-based hardware and not for the ARM-based hardware. But I, I haven't verified that. I'm not going to say I know um, with that kind of thing. I will say this: no matter what, man, you just got to keep up to date on those things because they're just such a target. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, maybe I'm playing fast and loose. It's on my own home network, so I don't think it's vulnerable. But then again, that's the famous last words. Well, and my belief is you should try to keep your home stuff on the same level as your enterprise stuff, just so they're mm -hmm. easier to do testing. Um. I have to mention this just because, oh, man, this scratches an old itch. You know what I mean? Just picture me being the old, dirty mutt on the front porch. And every time you walk past, he's just scratching himself kind of thing. That's what this link does for me. Online 470, um, Slithaz. Uh, Slithaz is the kind of distribution for Linux that I have a really hard time explaining to people except for. You've all heard of Slackware. You've all heard of Gen 2. You've all heard of these kinds. You've all heard of Linux from scratch kind of thing. Most people have never heard of Slidaz, okay? Slidaz is, to me, the distribution you run when you demand complete power at your fingertips, like immediate quick access to all your Samba shares, immediate quick access to all of your users, immediate quick access to these kinds of things. But you also insist you want to learn all of those things at the same time. Um, and that is Slidaz. Uh, to me, dare I say, with Slackware, some things are a little bit too easy. With ARM, uh, with Arch, things are a little bit too simple. Once you have the AUR installed, you can install whatever you want. Not with Slidaz is the way I'll put it. Slidaz definitely causes you to be a little bit more educated to uh, be comfortable in it. And then I found out Slidaz has a Raspberry Pi version, and I almost got giddy. But then I realized, with looking at this, this hasn't been updated for seven years. 2014 oh no yeah march 2014 so i'm a little behind um so i'm going to continue to scrub and scrape and see if i can find you know more updated versions of this kind of thing just to play with because 
if you want a secure, in air quotes, um, Raspberry Pi device that Nessus scans and stuff won't know what to do with, if someone gets into your network and scan, install slit ads on something and no security pen tester will have a clue on what to do next after they see slit ads. So I just had to say that. Yeah, I know when I did, uh, actually when went to OLF, I was looking for a lightweight distribution that I could throw, um, let's see. So I was doing cold fusion at the time. So it was like an IDE, uh, a cold fusion engine, which I don't know if it was Rallo or who the prior one was, I forget. Um, all on like the s- absolute smallest distro possible. And slit as was one of the things I was looking at at the time. Very cool. Very cool. Um, and we've had a lot of things happen. Here's the thing. Here's the way I'm going to paraphrase this one. We've had a lot of things happen in the last couple of months as far as space exploration, satellites, you know, going through space, uh, things happening here with observatories crashing to the ground, um, all kinds of things like that. We've also had a lander go to Mars, but here's what I didn't know. Uh, it looks like the way, if I read this right, that the devices are communicating with each other because we have the car size rover, then we have the helicopter. It looks like they're communicating back and forth over Zigbee protocol. So Lennox, in air quotes, is officially the communication means for these two devices on Mars, which I found to be really cool is what I'll say. Yes. And if you want to see, like, literally history being written, just go to YouTube and look for in um, Ingenuity Drone Flights. And they got like six of them now up or so. On the very last one, there was a, an air quote glitch that caused it to nearly lose control, but they did, be, but it, it was able to get control of itself and land. Long story short, it's over seven minutes away in time. So by the time they see something happening, it's already happened kind of thing. So they have to make sure they have appropriate. Wait, wait. Make, make sure you're, it's seven minutes from Earth to Mars. Well, on average. Seven minutes in time, radio frequency. Seven minutes from the lander to the helicopter. Oh, no, 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 no. Right, right, right. From here to there, the average is seven minutes. So sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less kind of thing. So they have to make sure that they have the thing programmed intelligently. So if it experiences something, it can recover so we don't have to do anything. Or else it's just going to crash to the ground. So yeah, I thought that was cool. I like seeing Lennox. See, you know, I, I don't want to say what podcast I was listening to, but they were talking about the year of the Linux desktop and if it's going to ever happen. Why even that's such a false narrative. That's not what you shoot for. Who cares? But the desktop is pointless. You're on Mars, man. You have the biggest companies in the world shoving open source licenses. Here we have this. Here we have Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. You know, pushing software everywhere. It's clear they've already won. Okay. It's clear closed source operating systems are doing everything in their power to just hang on by like tooth and nail because everything open seems to be just crushing it is the way I'll put it. Well, and everybody's heard me say this forever. Almost every Linux system I run doesn't have a UI. Yeah, and it just works. Yes. Yeah, that's all I count on. Just run. Now, I I do have, like, in my VMware clusters, whether it's an Intel cluster or an ARM cluster, I do have some Linux uh, VMs with GUIs on them. But those are, you know, special purpose things. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I mean, we've been going on for over an hour now. Uh, it looks like we might have lost Brett. Um, so I don't see him on Plumble. Yeah, and if we did have any emails come in since the last episode, which was only like you know two weeks ago or so, um, I don't see them. So if I if you guys did send an email in, I'm sorry. Please don't hesitate to resend it again. I will not take it as an insult if you resend the email to minipc at podnuts.com. Um, or if you want to send a voicemail in, it's very easy, 707-6-POD-NUT. I'm 99% sure that number still works. Uh, or if you want to follow us on Patreon, it's very easy, patreon.com slash the mini PC show. The mini PC show. Um, so, Rich, I'll say if people want to catch up with you, what's the easiest, simplest way for that to happen? So, flyingrich.com or Instagram, flyingrich underscore official, or YouTube, it's flyingrich, well, it's youtube.com slash flyingrich. Very cool, very cool. Uh, and if you want to catch up with me, it's very easy to do. Just check out any of the links in the notes. We have Discord servers. Uh, we have email addresses. If you want a phone number, all you got to do is shoot me an email. I'll send you that to you as well. Um, I want to thank everyone for their continued support. 
Uh, thanks to you guys, we do not have to stress over advertisers. We don't need to stress over how is the server going to re remain up and running. We do not have to stress about our day-to-day -day things. Um, we both have nine-to-five jobs. We all have nine-to-five jobs. So we literally do this as a hobby, and we like for people to listen to us as a hobby. So I definitely want to thank everyone for coming out. John, Chatter, Red, uh, Captain Zero. All you guys, thank you guys for coming out. If you want to come out again live, all you do is follow us either on Discord or on Twitter, uh, or send me your email address, and I will send you an email when we go live. Or again, on Patreon, we send out notifications. I want to thank everyone for downloading and spreading the word, and we will talk to everyone again real soon. Hi, this is Matt from the MRP Tech Podcast. I would like to invite you all to take a listen to my show, the MRP Tech Podcast, on the Podnuts Network. The theme for my show is Everyday Tech for Everyday People. We talk about Windows, Mac, Linux, iOS, Android, Chrome OS, and anything else technology-related. You can find us on iTunes, and you can find us by searching in any podcatcher. We hope you take a listen, and let us know what you think.